Thank you for taking the time tonight to be here to worship and to participate in the discussion this evening of Does God Know All Things? We're thankful uh, to you who are online and those who are present. Thank you for your support and for your attendance. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we love you, and thank you. We thank you so very much. We think about the power of your hand and the providence in your creation. And that as the weather changes and we observe the animals that live in the cold, you design them for that. And we're just amazed at your wisdom and the animals and insects that you made for the summer heat. You designed them for a very purpose. We stand in awe of your name. We thank you for salvation. And we pray, Lord God, that you will keep our minds free from worldly thought as we worship you this evening in praise, honor, and glory to your Son. In Jesus' name we pray and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. Matthew 28, please. Does God know all things? And as we stated last week, a more accurate statement uh, is, or when we say God knows all things, a more accurate statement is that God has access to all knowledge. He chooses to know some things, and some things he does not. So last week, I know there was some kind of a, a glitch in the system or something uh, that went on in the recording. Uh, but we're going to pick up this week and uh, move forward. If you need notes, just let me know, and we'll get you covered for that. Tonight, if God knows all of mankind who will be saved, because God knows all things, then does it make an awful lot of sense to read verses like Matthew 28, beginning at verse 18? And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you always, even to the end of the age. Why go to all of creation if God already knows that all of creation will not accept his word. Why would God, turn to Mark 16, why would God give such a great commission to the apostles as they take this commission and they go forth in his uh, His glory and they go to all of creation? Verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been Baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Why wouldn't God instead do something different in regards to salvation? But instead, he wants the entire world to hear the gospel. Why? If he already knows, they're not going to accept the gospel. If he knows all things. Turn to Matthew uh, chapter, chapter 10. Look at this text in regards to if God knows all things... This text doesn't make an awful lot of sense for God who knows all things in the days of the miraculous. Verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, saying, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons freely, and as you receive freely, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts. 
or bag for your journey or even two tunics or sandals or a staff for the worker is worthy of his support. And into whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it and abide there until you go away. And as you enter the house, give it your greeting. And if the house is worthy, let your greeting of peace come upon you. But if it is not worthy, let your greeting of peace return to you. And whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake off the dust of your feet. Truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day, the day of judgment, than for that city. So why waste time on going to every door, knocking on every single door, if you know already that this door, has there's no recipient for the gospel. They don't want the gospel. If God knows all things, then God knows exactly who's going to be saved and exactly who's not going to be saved, right? If God knows all things. See, this is where we get into trouble in our Bible studies with the idea of, you know, predestination and all those kinds of teachings because now it's like God has chosen one individual and not this individual and it's God's choice and there's nothing you can do about it. That's not even what the Bible teaches. The reason why they go to every home is because you never know who in that home will receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe not that time or that day, maybe just the seed was planted or the, the seed was watered and later they'll receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? But God wants all to hear his message and have an opportunity to be saved. Matthew 7 verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house and yet it did not fall. For it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. What is the point of everyone hearing if God knows who's going to respond? Why would Jesus do that? Why would I do that? If you were a salesman, and you knew which houses are going to buy your product and which ones aren't, you skip the ones that aren't, and you're more productive by going to all the ones that are going to buy your product. Genesis chapter 6. Here's another question. If God knows and knew that by making mankind, mankind would become this this horrible, unrepentant sinner. These, These people who are just terrible, horrible, wicked and evil people. God knew that from the beginning. God said, I'm going to make people, and I'm going to make some evil and wicked people. Or should I say, some of these people are going to, are going to become so wicked and so vile. I, I'm going to make them anyway. I just, I know it's going to happen. Well, if, if God knew that we would make that choice, why would it grieve him? I mean, what, what, just, just make sense of that. Why would it, why would he be saddened when mankind turns out to be that way. If he already knew they were going to be that way. And he's God, right? So he already knew it. So why are you sad about it if you already knew it? 
You know, it's like you pick a snake up by its tail, you already know it's going to bite you. So why be shocked when he bites you, <laughs> right? Grab him by his head. Well, look at the, the Bible. Genesis 6, verse 5. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I created from the face of the land, from man to animals of creeping things, and to birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. Why would he be sorry that he made us if he already knew we were going to be this way? All, all I'm trying to say to you is that we don't know the mind of God, but this is what we do know. God chooses not to know some things. And we have to accept that to be true. And that, again, it, it really it really calms down the aggressive mind of the world who tries to say that God did this to me. Now, this is all God's fault. And why am I sick? God made me this way. You get rid of all those arguments when you help people to understand that yes, God has access to all knowledge, but there are some things that God chooses not to know. You know, does God know every little boy that's going to be run over by a car? I mean, you know, then people start blaming God. And they say, well, God knew that was going to happen. Well, how do you know God knew that was going to happen? Right? I'm not saying God wound the world up and let it go. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is God allows man to have free choice. Okay? And we get to choose and do whatever we like, knowing there will be a consequence for all of our choices, both good and bad. Right? Turn to First Samuel chapter 15. I just want you to look into the, the mind of God in these scriptures and recognize that there are some things that are pretty, pretty obvious and apparent that God didn't know because he wouldn't respond the way that he did if he did know. And we know that God is not a liar. Therefore, what God says is true. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all. That was good. And we're not willing to destroy them utterly. But everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed. And cried out to the Lord all night. I regret. I'm sorry I made him king. But God, you chose him. <laughs> if God knows all things, then God knew from the very start that this is exactly what kind of man it is. God, God changed his heart. Remember that. He changed his heart. But he changed his heart back, didn't he, Saul? If God knew all things, why would God regret making him or choosing him rather to be the king? Psalm 78. Psalm 78 and verse, uh, verse 41. Actually, I think I want to go back to verse 40 and 41. Psalm 78. Give me a chance to get there. Here's what the Bible says. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. And again and again they, they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. It put God to the test. But God already knew they were going to do that, right? 
some of the vile things that humans have done, God already knew they were going to do it. Because right? God knows everything. Right? So, so in reality, you, you almost could, could argue, um, what, turn to Isaiah, please, um, chapter 63. You almost could argue with, with Adam arguing, you know, Adam said, you know, God, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I sinned, um, but the woman you made, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, that's kind of your fault, God, right? Is it, really, is that a valid argument? Isaiah 63 in verse 10. The Bible says, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned himself to become their enemy, and he fought against them. Why is God so grieved? And you might say, well, you know, because man broke God's heart. But it's kind of hard to break the heart of a God who knows everything you're going to say, every thought you're going to have, every action you're going to participate in before you do it, while you're doing it, and know every motive, I mean, See, we're, we're putting too much on God. We're, we're, what we're doing, in reality, is we're making God the bad guy. You know, we're saying, you know, God made us this way. And that's why I am this way. Well, God made man, when you look at what God did to children, God made children upright. He made them perfect. He made them blameless. We taught those children. It wasn't God. Turn back to... Uh, Genesis chapter 18. And, and what God expects of humans is he expects us to own up to the fact that, you know, when the Bible says train your child up in the way he should go, and when he's old he will not depart, don't blame God later and say, well, you know, I did everything God told me to do, and, you know, now it's, don't blame God for that. Don't blame God when evil activities happen in our community or in our world and say, well, you know, God made us this way. Mankind has made the choice, the decision to follow their own heart, their own devices, and to defy the living God. It's not God's fault. God has asked us to love one another and show kindness and gentleness and peace and patience and have joy and peace. God has asked us to do that, but we've chosen not to. We've chosen to follow the way of evil instead of the way of righteousness. When it comes to sex sins, that's all the homosexuality is. They're sex sins. They're not going to go away. It's they're sex sins. Sex sins are never going to go away. Right? We know that if Genesis chapter nineteen didn't get rid of all sex sins, we're not going to get rid of it either. But listen to what happens with 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 Sodom and Gomorrah. Regardless of how you feel about Sodom and Gomorrah, listen to what happens. Genesis chapter eighteen, verse twenty. And the Lord said. The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. Now that has to make no sense to you at all. Because why does God have to go down to see if it's, he's God, right? He already knows, doesn't he? Why do you say I have to go down there and see? Think about that. And then another verse to go to in Genesis 22. When, when God tested Abraham, or Abram at this time, when God tested him with Isaac, I mean, we have to ask ourselves, do we just erase the verses that we don't really like, or do we accept them and try to understand them with clarity? Look down at verse 10. 
Genesis 22. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So this is what I heard someone say to me. They said, well, no, that was for Abraham to know. What, what? That's not even what the text is about. God tested Abraham. Next week we're going to talk about the test and ask the question, what's the purpose of the test if you already know the answer? Right? <laughs> A test reveals knowledge. If you already know the answer, you don't need to test anyone or test anything. So God says, now I know, but my question is, if God knows all things, didn't God already know? Answer is obviously in the text. He did not know. He tested him to see or to reveal what was on his heart. This is what, what's, let me tell you what's scary about, well, it's good. It's, that's not scary, but it's beautiful. What's beautiful, scary. Maybe I'll say it in that way if that even makes sense. We can't blame anyone for our actions. It's all me. So the beautiful part about that is, at least I know that. The scary part is, I've chosen some pretty bad things throughout my life. What about you? And God knows it. Because I've revealed it. Because I've done it. And I can't blame Satan. And I cannot blame God. It's all me. Thank you, God, for revealing that to me. Not that I didn't already know it, right? Matthew chapter chapter 5. So God is good to both the good and the evil with a divine purpose in mind. Verse 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he calls his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. But why is God doing that? I mean, you know, if, 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 if God already knows these folks are never going to repent, they're never going to change. Why not show a special kind of favor to your children as opposed to the world and make it pretty obvious and evident? Well, you and I know that everyone will become a child of God to get something, right? And so that wouldn't be real love. But couldn't God do that and still know that this guy came with impure motives and so therefore his salvation wouldn't be valid? It kind of complicates things a bit though. Turn to Psalm 145. God is kind with a divine purpose in mind. Psalm 145, beginning at uh, verse... In fact, we're just going to read. Verse 9. Psalm 145 and verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. Turn to Acts 14, verse 11. Acts 14 and verse 11. Someone says, well, it's just God's nature to be good to all and to... Well, yeah, that's, that's correct. But there's a divine purpose behind God's goodness to all. Verse 11 of, of Acts chapter 14. 
And when the multitude saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Laconian language, The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief of speakers. And the priest Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And in the generations gone, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave himself without witnesses in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. So God was showing all of this kindness. And he continues to show all of this kindness to the world. Why does God do that? There's a divine purpose. Why is God kind to us beyond what we deserve? There's a divine purpose. Romans chapter 2. In verse 4. And here it is. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. It's because God wants everyone to repent. So God's good to everyone. And God's people, we should look into our lives and see the greatness of God and be in repentance because of joy. Thank you, God, for this beautiful day you've given to me and exercising your kindness upon me. And we should strengthen our relationship with the Lord. And for the world, we can say, hasn't God been good to you? And they'll have to admit, well, yeah, he's been good to me. Well, turn your life around and come to the Lord. There's a divine purpose in the kindness of of God. You never know who's going to receive the gospel. God is not willing that any perish, but for all to come to repentance, right? God wants every man, woman, and child to be saved. Every one of us. That's the desire of God. But God is not going to have his will. Not this time. Turn to Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slow about his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. See, God cannot violate our free will. So unfortunately and sadly enough, everyone's not going to come to repentance. As much as God wishes it, as much as God desires it, as much as God longs for it, not everyone's going to repent. Not everyone's going to go to heaven. And that breaks God's heart. Someone says, well, if God knew this, why did he make us? And the answer is, God doesn't know all things. God has access to all knowledge. 
it makes perfect sense to serve the one true God, the living God, the only God. But because of the stubbornness and the wickedness of our hearts, the one true great God is not going to have his way on this one. Ezekiel, please. Chapter 33. So, tonight the thought is, now that I know the greatness of God, not that I didn't already know it, and why God is being so kind to me, what ought a man, what kind of man should I be, will I be, from this point forward in service to God? Would I be the one who breaks God's heart, who surprises God, and God says, I can't believe you did that? Or will I be the one who brings joy and happiness to the heart of God? See, it's my decision. It's my choice. Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? God is begging, please turn your life around. Why do you think God gave Rome so many chances? Why has God given me so many chances? Why has God given you so many chances? He doesn't want us to die and go to hell and be there forever and ever and ever. God doesn't want that to happen. But unfortunately and sadly, God will not have his way on this one because God cannot violate our free choice. Chapter 18. Chapter 18, in verse 23. And only God could balance that, right? Only God could balance, you know, his will versus man's will and allow man to have his will even though he knows it's going to hurt him. But he loves you so much. Why does God just stop us? Because God will not violate our free will. Ezekiel 18, in verse 23. Do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, rather than that he should turn from his ways and live? That is the will of God. But that is not always good enough for mankind for some reason. Man refuses. You go out and you teach a Bible study and you say, say, come to the Lord and live. And man says, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. Not for God. I want to do whatever I want to do. Thank God for his patience. That there's another day. Do you know why today even exists? God's giving everybody one more chance. One more chance. And tonight if you have something in your life that you need to repent of, God's giving us one more chance. Tonight, if you're not a child of God and you need to surrender to Him in the waters of baptism, God has given us today one more chance. Tomorrow may not come. There will come a day when God will say, enough is enough. It is over. But today has been a good day because God has given us one more chance. Romans 6 and verse 23. The Bible says, For the wages of sin... Is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Tonight, the encouragement is that you choose life. It's your choice. It's my choice. I don't have to preach the gospel. I choose to preach the gospel. I don't have to preach the truth. 
I choose to preach the truth. You don't have to live the way you live. You choose to live the way that you live. We can't blame Satan. We cannot blame our fellow man. And we cannot blame God. God says, I made And now I expect you to choose what's right. But I'm not going to control your life. The choice is yours. Thank you for your time tonight. The lesson is yours. I pray something is said to encourage you and strengthen your faith this evening to give glory and honor to our God.